Christian, why do you think it is that every time we go to record a podcast, our neighbor mows his lawn? He's one of them, and he's trying to help us have bad audio Mm. so that we are not taken seriously. Yeah, that sounds about right. But whose side is he on? The conspiratorial side or the skeptic side? Well, if he was a skeptic, I don't think he would care that we were recording a conspiracy podcast, so... Which makes us the plot. Yeah. Because if he's sabotaging both of us, then maybe there's something totally different out there. Well, you uh, you heard it here fir- first, folks. That is uh, indeed Freaky Deaky. Today, we are going to be discussing the Majestic Twelve. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's going to be... So there's a lot to to power through. I think I can get through it in like roughly 10 to 12 minutes. So I'm going to break things down and almost uh, just pieces of importance, I guess you could say. Also, while, while looking into this, I realized that the Majestic 12 was way different than what I was, like, I've only heard it a few times in my life. The, those few times were very, very off-the-wall strange theories. So that's the image I had in my mind going in. I'm happy to say that the actual story that I've uncovered is at least a little more normal. It's on the normal side of, of crazy. The story of Majestic 12 seems to be like something I grew up with. You're probably going to be a little more familiar with the subject overall than I will be, which is great because then you can, you can kind of chime in if things start to go off the rails a little bit. I can try. Yeah. Let's just uh, dive right in. Wait, before we get to that. Yes. What about this story grabbed your attention? Well, I've heard rumors about Edwards Air Force Base a million times. Which... Which is, yeah, like our old stomping ground for the most part. Right. That's um, where, for anybody that doesn't know, the space shuttle used to land. Yeah. When it, or it still land, landed it up until the end whenever they couldn't in Florida. But that was the main place that they yeah. tested it back in the 70s, which I was actually there to see the first two test flights off of 747 at Edwards Air Force Base when I was like seven or eight years old. That's a pretty dope story. Yeah. And then, you know, so, and it was where Chuck Yeager did a lot of his, his work, a famous um, test pilot. Um, it's, it's a very important Air Force Base for the United States. Yeah. And even as a kid, I heard rumors that like Truman or uh, Eisenhower, I should say, or was it Truman? Someone, I'll get to it in the story. I'm just lost my mind for a moment here that there was like meetings at that base with ufos and, and well, all these a lot crazy of the, things a lot of the top military aircraft spent time at that base a lot yeah. of the top pilots did there's a lot of stories it's it was way out in the middle of nowhere for a long time 
Have yeah. you actually been to Edwards Air Force Base? Oh, yeah. I used to go to the pool there all the time. Yeah. I used to go to the air, sh- air shows and stuff like that. And yeah. So it's, it's an interesting place, a lot of stories. So it's interesting that this will be connected to that. Yeah. And that's really the only thing that, like, it was interesting finding out that this was the story that kind of caused that. Like, it was connected to Majestic 12. And I was like, huh. So something I haven't heard of very often was connected to a story that I heard a lot in my childhood. And I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. And so I was like, huh. And I've heard very strange theories about Majestic 12. So I wanted to look into it anyway. And I'm, you know, happy to report that it's not as weird as it sounds. Also, I don't know if you just heard it, but also our neighbor decided to fire up his lawnmower for about 30 seconds. So if that continues, we'll have to pause this bad boy and pick it up later. But for the time being, let's just get going. The uh, The entire story starts with President Harry Truman passing on the Oval Office to Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1953. Along with the Oval Office, apparently... Truman gave Eisenhower a hefty file concerning top-secret, top-classified files, that's a little redundant, about a project called Majestic 12 that former President Harry Truman had established by classified executive order. Uh, Majestic 12 is the codename of an alleged secret committee of scientists, military leaders, and government officials formed in 1947 by an executive order by U.S. President Harry S. Truman to facilitate the recovery and investigation of alien spacecraft. It is noteworthy to mention that among all presidents of the United States, it is perhaps President Eisenhower who was most passionate and interested about unidentified flying objects and alien life. In fact, there is ample evidence that suggests President Eisenhower met with alien beings at least three times. One such meeting is said to have taken place at Edwards Air Force Base in California, and twice at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico. After the meetings in New Mexico, the number of UFO sightings allegedly doubled in the region. Regarding these meetings, the first source suggesting that President Eisenhower had met with extraterrestrials can be traced back to Gerald Light, who in a letter dated April 16, 1954 to Meade Lane, the then director of Borderland Sciences Research Associates, now Foundation, claimed he was part of a delegation of community leaders to an alleged meeting with extraterrestrials at Edwards Air Force Base. The first meeting allegedly took place between Eisenhower and two Nordic-appearing blue-eyed ETs. Always Nordic. Always. Despite the fact that the alleged discussions were in a polite manner, no agreement was reached, the aliens supposedly wanted humans to stop nuclear testing, but we didn't want to give it up. Shocker. As no agreement was reached, both parties parted ways. However, the alleged aliens visited Earth the following year, neighbors, the following year to Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico, not far away from the infamous Roswell Alien Aircraft Crash Site, for a subsequent meeting with Eisenhower. And I'll tell you all about that second meeting in about 20 minutes here when our super conspiratorial neighbor decides to cut it off so to be continued and we're back i think did he just fire no it's in my head now i can hear it i can hear it playing in my in my brain 
There are numerous eyewitness reports of the second meeting that had occurred between Eisenhower and ETs at the Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico, located some 120 miles from the infamous Roswell alien crash. It is reported that in February of 1955, hundreds of people witnessed Air Force One land at the Holloman Air Force Base. Eisenhower met with the aliens inside a saucer-shaped craft where he remained for about 45 minutes. That feels like it should be front-page news. <laughs> I think it was many times in the National Enquirer. Yeah, the president is meeting with aliens inside their saucer. Some UFO researchers claim that eventually, Eisenhower went on and signed a treaty with the gray aliens and the terms of the treaty were as follows. We would not be involved in their affairs and they would not become involved in ours. They would help us with developing our technology. They would not make a treaty with any other nation on earth. They could abduct humans for various experiments but had to provide names of all those they abducted to earth's majestic 12 committee and the public would not be informed about the existence of ETs. What do you think of that treaty? It sounds pretty dope, yeah? sounds made up yeah kind of to me especially the uh you must turn in the names of everybody you abduct yeah maybe they just want to keep a file it's weird for you to take the stance of not believing that the aliens came down to earth and made a treaty with humanity that part of the treaty throws me off yeah understandably not that i'm saying there were actual aliens at this meeting or that this meeting ever took place but yeah shocking surprise christian doesn't believe it He's not a fan of the treaty. Curiously, the fabled Project Blue Book, the Air Force's files on UFO sightings and investigations, includes a 1950 incident at Holloman Air Force Base in Alamogordo, New Mexico, where an Air Force Office of Special Investigations agent reported seeing a starlight craft that amazingly shifted from a bright white color to red and green as it moved erratically in several directions. So That was the 50s? I believe it was 50... No, 1950. So that was after Roswell then? Yeah, by a few years. It's always Roswell. This is Alamogordo. (laughs) Which I believe is supposedly where the weather balloons that the military admitted were found crashed Mm -hmm. at Roswell were launched from. I think there's a longer story to that. It wasn't really weather balloons. What later was released, I think in the 90s, is that that's the base where they would send up these listening devices on balloons to detect nuclear tests. That's Interesting development. Well, that's uh, a development that some people believe is used to cover up what actually went on, especially since this technology has been declassified since the 50s. In, an interesting story, nonetheless, though. You know? I'll probably talk more about it later. Yes, absolutely. Um, so those were the meetings that uh, apparently happened between Eisenhower and the ETs. To back that up a little bit, I wanted to look and see if there was anybody else that came forward about that type of stuff. Anyone in that time that was maybe you know also in government. And luckily, I stumbled across one fine young lad probably not very young. It was the former representative to the New Hampshire House of Representatives, Hmm. Mr. Henry W. McElroy Jr. In his statement, recorded on May 8th, 2010, so not super long ago, in Hampton, Virginia, McElroy claims that the brief revealed that extraterrestrials were present in the United States They were benevolent, and a meeting could be arranged for Eisenhower. And he quotes, 
I would like to submit to our nation my personal testimony of the document related to one of these ongoing topics which I saw while in office serving on the State Federal Relations and Veterans Affairs Committee. The document I saw was an artificial or the document I saw was an official brief to President Eisenhower. To the best of my memory, this brief was pervaded with a sense of hope, and it informed President Eisenhower of the continued presence of extraterrestrial beings here in the United States of America. The brief seemed to indicate that a meeting between the President and some of these visitors could be arranged as appropriate if desired. The tone of the brief indicated to me that there was no need for concern since these visitors were in no way causing any harm or had any intentions whatsoever of causing any disruption then or in the future. So that was word for word from Mr. McElroy. And that was in a video in 2010. And I did get a link with the video. I didn't watch the actual video. I was just reading the story. But at some point, I should probably watch that video. But it'll probably be on the Instagram. The at Freaky Deaky Pod Instagram. So head on over there. And then you're over there. Don't forget to comment. Yeah, you can do that too. Unless it's mean. Then keep it to yourself, nerd. We don't want none of that. Okay. Yeah, so that was his quote. It's a roundabout way of taking five minutes to tell you that that was the quote. His testimony supports the claims of others that President Eisenhower secretly traveled to Air Force facilities in 1954 and 1955 to have meetings with representatives of one or more extraterrestrial civilizations. The most well-known case involves a secret meeting at Edwards Air Force Base in February 1954 that Eisenhower allegedly attended to meet with extraterrestrials to discuss nuclear weapons testing. And that was... Bringing it back to the first one. The second little snippet of evidence, or at least, you know, something to back up the claims, uh, is that letter that I mentioned from Gerald Light. So this was the first source suggesting that President Eisenhower had met with extraterrestrials, and it's traced back to a gentleman named Gerald Light, uh, and this is from a letter dated April 16th, 1954. My dear friends, I have just returned from Muroc, Edwards Air Force Base. Apparently, that, that, that was the original name, I believe. Muroc. Was it Muroc or Muroc? Or is it just depending on where you're from, that's how you said it? Yeah, I think it's a local name. Classic. I have just returned from Muroc. The report is true, devastatingly true. I made the journey in company with Franklin Allen of the Hearst Papers and Edwin Nose, or Norse, of Brookings Institute, Truman's erstwhile financial advisor and Bishop McIntyre of L.A. Confidential names for the present, please. When we were allowed to enter the restricted section, after about six hours in which we were checked on every possible item, event, incident, or aspect of our personal and public lives, I had the distinct feeling that the world had come to an end with fantastic realism. For I have never seen so many human beings in a state of complete collapse and confusion, as they realized that their own world had indeed ended with such finality as a beggar description. The reality of the other plane, aeroforms, is now and forever removed from the realms of speculation and made a rather painful part of the consciousness of every responsible scientific and political group. During my two days visit, I saw five separate and distinct types of aircraft being studied and handled by our Air Force officials, with the assistance and permission of the Aetherians. I have no words to express my reactions. It has finally happened. It is now a matter of history. President Eisenhower, as you may already know, was spirited over to Muroc one night during his visit to Palm Springs recently, and it is my conviction that he will ignore the terrific conflict between the various authorities 
and go directly to the people via radio and television if the impasse continue or yeah, if the impasse continues much longer. From what I could gather, an official statement to the country is being prepared for delivery about the middle of May. And I'm assuming that that statement didn't happen. I've never heard of that statement. Hmm. I have heard about Eisenhower's trip to Edwards Air Force Base. Supposedly, he just snuck off from Palm Springs. I mean, there's an official story, but the story I've heard is that he just drove off to see what was going on out there. Showed up. I'm the president. Like a badass. Just let me in. Which he kind of was. Yeah. If you look into his history, I mean, he was kind of a badass through his military career. And then he became president. Then he left a famous speech as he left the White House about the military and... Industrial complex? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good speech. That that about wraps up the um, from that time period. Like everything from now forward is from the eighties up. Okay, so that that that's pretty much the story. But it gets taken to an interesting level in the nineteen eighties, which I will explain right now. Yes, being related to the CIA's delivery of top-notch cocaine helped okay. <laughs> influence the crazy stories we're about to hear. Cocaine? No, no, that's just a conspiracy theory I made up. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Don't believe it. That, that could be one. You never know. Look, there's endless theories, man. You can toss one right on the top if you want. But if you ever hear that one in the future, you'll know where it came from, and then you'll have yeah. documentation that it's not real. And I'll be like, hey, everyone, I know that guy. Let's hope it gets to that point. That would be an interesting thing to play out. <laughs> okay, so... To believers, the story of the Majestic 12, also known as MJ-12 or Magic, with a J because they're cool, goes back to 1947. But as far as supposed hard evidence is concerned, it begins in 1984. Documentary producer, it's Spanish, so it's either Jaime Shandera or Jamie Shan- Shandera or Shan- Shandera or Shandere. It's usually Jaime. Jaime, right? But what if he just had like weird white parents that were like, well, let's do Jamie, but let's do J-A-I-M-E so that no one can ever spell it right in his entire life. That is, that could be. Mm. Yeah. So we don't know what this guy looks like. Um, I'm just going to call him Jamie. Is that racist? Have I instantly become? No. I'm used to Jaime because growing up, I used to, they used to always talk about the guy that did the Spanish telecast for the, or radio broadcast for the Dodgers. And it was Jaime Irene. (laughs) Jaime Irene, that's what it was. Nice. All right. Documentary producer Jaime Shandera, if that makes you happier, is said to have been reading a magazine at home when a mysterious envelope was dropped through his mail slot. The envelope, which bore a New Mexico postmark, contained a roll of undeveloped photo film. Not a ufologist himself, Shandera supposedly took the mysterious film with him to dinner with friend and avid conspiracy theorist William Moore. Once more here, heard, once he heard that story, not once, (laughs) (laughs) once, oh God, it's going to fuck me up. Okay. Once more heard Shandera's strange tale, he apparently ditched dinner and went to his house to develop the images. The pictures were not of people or places or aliens, but of eight pages of classified documents. While they weren't exactly the candid shots of an alien autopsy that Shandera and Moore had likely hoped for, top secret pages told an explosive story that if true 
not only confirmed the Roswell incident, but also detailed the people behind its research and cover-up. The most prominent file, dated 1952, described a number of UFO encounters, including the Roswell clash, crash from 1947 on into the 1950s. While these descriptions have all seemed vague enough to be easily dismissed, the real gold in the document was the revelation that President Truman had appointed a committee of scientists, government officials, military men, the Majestic 12, to figure out just how to deal with the Roswell crash and any other alien incursions that might occur in the future. These were the original men in black. According to the documents, members of the original MJ-12 included Dr. Vannevar Bush, an inventor, engineer, and head of the U.S. Office of Scientific Research and Development during World War II. You look like you're aware of that person. I am. He okay. is not related to George Bush. I know. I looked it up. <laughs> I was like, please tell me this isn't another Bush. Yeah. Retired Admiral Sidney Sowers. I'm assuming that's how you say that. Mm-hmm. The first director of the CIA and Dr. Donald Menzel, theoretical astrophysicist and avid UFO debunker. Shandera and Moore would spend years trying to verify and validate the documents that had fallen into their laps. While word of the Majestic 12 spread among ufologists and believers, the existence of a secret government cabal working to hide and control our first contact with extraterrestrials was just too, too juicy to stay buried. The documents' claims began to take hold both in the ufology community and in the larger culture it touched, worming its way into the standard alien conspiracy narrative. That is from a Slate article. And then I got another piece of that article somewhere else that was pretty good. But A really quick thing on some of the members. Vannevar mm. Bush is uh, like a, he's a very important person in maybe like the CIA, that type, like building up the the strength of our country through espionage and spying and things like that. And then Hoyt Vandenberg, who was also listed, I believe, is who Vandenberg Air Force Base is named after, but I could be wrong. Oh, that'd be interesting. And James Forrestal was really an important person within the government back in those days. I believe he even might have led the CIA. Which one was that, Forrestal? Yeah. He was the Secretary of Defense. Ooh, fancy. Under Truman. Hmm. All right. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, we are working our way through. We're definitely past the halfway point, which, sweet. Yeah, so by the late 1980s, the FBI and the Air Force had gotten wind of the Majestic 12 documents and launched investigations into their veracity, mainly trying to determine whether someone was disseminating classified documents. The Air Force Office's special investigations looked into the matter before handing it over to the FBI around 1988. Their investigators were able to determine that the pages were bunk, and its final assessment on the Majestic 12 documents on FBI, or an FBI official wrote, the document is completely bogus. To drive the point home, the word bogus was then scrawled across the filed documents in giant capital letters. <laughs> and I will have pictures of that because it is it's not very subtle. Um, it's almost as if the FBI is sick of talking about MJ-12, or more likely was not quite sure how to respond. If you don't respond, then it seems as though you're confirming the conspiracy theorists and you're leaving these theories out there, says Mark Fenster, author of Conspiracy Theories, Secrecy, and Power in American Culture. But if you do respond, you can't truly debunk the conspiracy theory and you're giving it more oxygen. There's almost no way to successfully respond to it. Which is true. 
I heard a story. The FBI's investigation basically was asking the organization that would be running Majestic 12 if there was such a thing. Hmm. Is this a thing? And that organization's like, no, it's not a thing. And the FBI's like, okay, it's not yeah. a thing then. And that's as far as the investigation the easy went. Easy peasy. Yeah. Right. My parents did something similar to me when I was a, a young child. I had snuck into the, the cookies and I went in to wake my parents up. And they looked at me as soon as they woke up, and they're like, did you eat cookies? And I said, no. <laughs> me? Cookies? <laughs> Never. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, guys, look, telling you, didn't eat any cookies. And I was four, so I was very well-spoken for my age. Picture it. But then they were like, well, you should go to the bathroom <laughs> and wash your hands. And I was like, oh, I'll go to the bathroom. And there's literally chocolate just all over my face. And they go out to the kitchen, and my dumbass didn't even move the chair back to the table. It was literally right there, cookie jar at the edge of the counter. I was caught. I wish they would have given up their investigation when I said no. But they did not. They investigated further. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, that was a really weird tangent, but you're welcome for that little glimpse inside my childhood. Hide the evidence. Yeah, I've learned since, kind of. No, I still suck. I still suck at hiding the evidence if you're listening, government. Yeah, uh, okay, so this is something interesting that I found along the, the way. A little bit of a tangent, but it's a snippet from the National Archives. The, uh, the National Archives has received numerous inquiries concerning documents identified as MJ-12 and briefing document Operation Majestic 12. Is that a motorcycle? Next there's going to be a marching band outside <laughs> just walking down the street in a, a pop-up parade. Damn it, I am hearing things. It, yes, they got me. They got me. They got me so good. Where was I? Okay. The National Archives has received numerous inquiries concerning documents identified as MJ-12 and briefing document Operation Majestic 12. We have made extensive searches among the records in our custody of the U.S. Air Force and the Joint Chiefs of Staff to identify these documents. The Truman and Eisenhower libraries have also searched their holdings for any reference to or copies of the documents. In addition, the records of the National Security Council for the Truman and Eisenhower administrations are in the custody of the National Archives. Searches were made of the indexes to the NSC's policy paper and meeting minute files under the subjects MJ-12, Majestic, Unidentified Flying Objects, UFO, Flying Saucers, Extraterrestrial Biological Entities, and Aquarius. Interesting last one there. These searches were all negative with the exception of a Memorandum for General Twinning from Robert Cutler special assistant to the president with the subject NCS slash MJ-12 Special Studies Project dated July 14, 1954. The memorandum, one page, refers to a briefing to take place on July 16th. The memorandum does not identify MJ-12 or the purpose of the breeding. Breeding. Yeah, what's the purpose of the breeding? No, the purpose of the briefing. <laughs> and so that's straight from the archives, like the archives.cov. <laughs> you know? So that's them saying, we don't know what MJ-12 is, except for this one piece of paper we found that says it, but doesn't say what it's about. So that's an interesting little, uh, little tidbit there. Is it true that many of the documents for MJ-12 have been destroyed? Probably. I thought I'd heard that. Yeah. I mean, 
That would make sense, yeah. Especially if you're trying to hide something or cover it up. No better way to do that than to burn it. Yeah, so that's about the that's about the the whole story. I do have one last thing that I feel like kind of ties together or kind of just backs the whole alien theory in general. Okay. And when I say alien, I mean alien. I don't know what these things are. Uh, some people believe maybe just altered humans or, you know, life forms from outside the the galaxy or maybe sister planets or greens or grays or lizard people or demons or babies wearing adult human skin. That last one isn't as often, but does come up from time to time. So when I say alien, that's what I mean. All of those things in one. Okay. Just to clear the air. Yeah, so it kind of backs up the the alien theory with um, it's been years now since there's been any like kind of prominent you know, news articles or anything like that based on UFOs. And so if the whole theory is that the Majestic 12 didn't exist at all, but we're still seeing aliens and stuff, do you think it's, okay, well, I guess there's aliens, but we didn't meet with them ever. Because like, the, the New York Times this year alone released that article, um, what's it? Yeah, July 23rd, 2020. So I'm just going to read a couple of quotes from that article that maybe shed some light on the fact that maybe Majestic 12 was a real thing. Maybe some of the bits and pieces of it aren't, but as in general, as a whole, it is, in fact, legitimate. Yeah, on July 23rd, 2020, the New York Times released an article entitled, No Longer in the Shadows, Pentagon's UFO Unit Will Make Some Findings Public. The gist of this article is that a well-funded group inside the Office of Naval Intelligence is actively investigating unexplained encounters between members of the military and unidentified flying objects. And while some of the materials recovered by the U.S. government sources have turned out to have perfectly innocent explanations, some materials are still a total mystery. And this is a quote from the article itself. Eric W. Davis, an astrophysicist who worked as a subcontractor and then a consultant for the Pentagon UFO program since 2007, said that, in some cases, examination of the materials had so far failed to determine their source and led him to conclude we couldn't make it ourselves. Davis says he's briefed many people in government, including U.S. Senators. Quote, Mr. Davis, who now works for Aerospace Corporation, a defense contractor, said he gave a classified briefing to a Defense Department agency as recently as March 2020 about retrievals from off-world vehicles not made on this earth. Interesting. I mean, and like I said, this is from New York Times, which pretty reputable. Reputable. Reputable? Reputable. reputable yeah. According to some people. Yeah. Otherwise, it's fake to other people. It's garbage. Well, everyone hates something. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, it's not. I didn't pull this from like National Enquirer. No, know? it was a, <laughs> so, a major news source. Yeah. So Mr. Uh, yeah, Mr. Davis said he also gave classified briefings on retrievals of unexplained objects to staff members of the Senate Armed Services Committee on October 21st, 2019, and to staff members of the Senate Intelligence Committee two days later. Former Nevada Senator Harry Reid, who has long championed the cause of exploring UFOs, told the Times that he believes the U.S. government has alien materials in its possession. Perhaps more disturbingly, he also believes that people in the private sector have materials as well. Quote, After looking into this, I came to the conclusion that there were reports, some very substantive, or substantive? Is it it's substantive, right? Okay. Believe so. Why am I forgetting like my entire Rolodex of fancy words right now? It's usually right there. It happens. I wonder. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wonder what. Yeah, what could have possibly what could, what, caused this? Mess with your memory. I don't know. It's the government. Yeah, yeah we'll get into it. Uh, after looking into this, I came to the conclusion that there were reports, some substantive, some not so substantive. That word just sounds weird now, doesn't? Does it sound weird to you? Substantive. It sounded right to me. Doesn't? Maybe. Uh, have you ever overlooked words? Yes. Like where you stare at it, and it's like a three-letter word. I'll do that with the word "the" sometimes, and I'll be like. What? Am I spelling this right? I just have moments, man. <laughs> I think I'm losing it. I think I'm losing it sometimes. It's unfortunate. Substantive. It's very substantive. And some not so substantive. That there were actual materials that the government and the private sector had in their possession. Reed told the time. This article doesn't mention anything regarding the Majestic 12, but I feel like it lends a bit of credibility to the possibility of MJ-12 being a real organization. What are your thoughts on that? Let me okay. Yeah, you do some talking now because I'm pretty much through the the great story. And let's let's get to the let's the, yeah. let's start. Let's go with the last thing you mentioned about these off-world materials. Some people have said that our discovery or our dis are coming across titanium, yeah, which is a strong metal that is very light. Could have been partly due to alien technology. That's one of yeah. the stories I've heard. I don't know how true it is. I think it'd be similar with composite materials, um, two very advanced materials that came about and changed the world in a lot of ways. We wouldn't have st some of our stealth technology and our drones, military drones, without that yeah. composite. Or sure. a hockey stick, you know, or a baseball bat with some of those technologies. But Yeah, thanks, aliens. Yeah. You did. So, I mean, whether it was a legitimate scientific discovery yeah. or as... Some people believe reverse engineered type things. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's interesting to wonder where that stuff came from, where that discovery came from. Yeah. And I could be wrong on the titanium, but I'm pretty sure. One of those. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure it's titanium and the composite materials that you see all over the place. So what are your thoughts on Majestic 12? Like, do you, what, like if, if you were to land anywhere on it, where would it be? Like dead smack in the middle, it's all real, it's all fake? I think there's an interesting misinformation mm. campaign that has gone along or with Majestic 12. Yeah. Whether it was a true group, a lot of people believe that some of the documents that were found were hoaxes. Yeah. Um, as, as you, ta you yeah. talked about. And then, have you heard of the name Richard Doty? Connected with, he was connected somewhat with this, too. Yeah. yeah, he was. And he was infiltrating a lot of UFO circles early on, and he was also a member of the Air Force Intelligence. Yeah, but what would the purpose be of that, to infiltrate UFO circles if there weren't UFOs? To cover up secret, U.S. secret military technology mm -hmm. that some of these witnesses had actually seen. Yeah. So their point was to kind of discredit the people that had seen this so yeah. they could never be trusted. And in some cases, he supposedly gave these people information saying that it was UFOs to the point where one guy actually ended up in an institution because of some of the stuff that Doty had done and that he later had admitted to. Yeah. So, you nice. know, you can kind of go both ways. He came out later to cover up something. He was involved in misinformation and cover up early on with the Air Force. Yeah. Because I, from what I understand, the Air Force doesn't do too much commenting on him. But he's a shady character. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's um, that's also like I, there's three things like three common threads that I found looking into this, and there's the people that say it's all true. There's the people that say it's a bunch of bullshit, never happened, not a thing. You're wasting time. And then there's the interesting one, which is kind of what you touched on a second ago, the disinformation. Like, it's an actual forced disinformation campaign from the government to try to take people off the trail of top-secret Air Force um, projects. Which makes sense in a way. That, that has also been from the beginning of maybe the Euro, UFO studies in the yeah. port, late 40s. Disinformation has been in there. And I think it's... It's undermined the credibility of people that are looking into it for no other reason than they just want to know, yeah. you know. Um, but you, when you have that much disinformation in the system, you end up following a path that you can't trust or a trusted source is tainted with their with credibility issues because yeah. of this. And it's something the U.S. did a lot, not just within the UFO community, they did it during the hippie movements, black power movements of the 60s. Yeah. They were involved with disinformation with all the major leaders of different groups from um, union workers' unions to Martin Luther King. They were, they were involved in a lot of shady things, and this could be one of them. I mean, the Truman story I'd heard before, not the Truman, the Eisenhower story. And, I get the two mixed up constantly. Right. And and I, I believe Eisenhower is the type that if he's staying in Palm Springs, with the, which is just hours away, he would be willing to drive down there and yeah. be like, I'm the president. Let me in. At that point, the presidents didn't have too much fear of being out in the open. That came later um, without their secret service. Yeah. And he could have just gone down there to see what was going on. I, I don't believe he met with aliens. Hmm. But Well, and he was asked about... Um, like where he was, right? People are like, where is he? And they're like, oh, uh, he chipped his tooth eating literally fried chicken. And they said, so they, it was an emergency dental appointment. But all the like dental and health records and stuff like that of presidents are accessible, you know, for the most part. And Theoretically, they're not yeah. anymore. Well, in that in day, recent, were, yeah, shocker months. But so back then, it was accessible. They usually tried to let the American people know, but then you know, not too much long after that, too much longer after that, you see John Kennedy come into power, and nobody knew about all of his issues. Yeah, and even Franklin Roosevelt, FDR, he had issues that people didn't know about. So there was like a gentleman's agreement to release some stuff and not others. But yeah, but um, you would think chipping your tooth would find its way it's not something crazy it's well, not something weird that oh no people can't know the story i heard hmm. is that everybody that was in charge in charge of the security of the president was so embarrassed that he just drove off in the middle of the night and nobody knew where he was at they were actually panicking about what happened to the president and then they re they realized he was out at edwards air force base and then they had to do a cover story because reporters were getting wind of this stuff that he yeah. disappeared and they had to cover it up and make it look like that would be a national security how, how do threat reporters if, get wind of something some of them are just hanging out and watching and they see the chatter i mean if you watch the same group of people all the time as reporters you will understand if all of a sudden there's like some new kind of hustle in their step yeah 
And then you start asking questions. You have sources that let out a little bit of information, and then they can start putting two and two together. So at that point, you have to cover that up. You also have to be make it to where, you know, as we're in the middle of our, the Cold War, the Russians just can't walk in and get access to your president at the yeah. same time. That, that would... Should be frowned upon. Yeah. Right. That would undermine a lot of the security that Americans had at the time. Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons that could be covered up. So I do believe he went out there, and he went out there with... In search of aliens. I believe so. Or, you know, what the whole issues that he'd been hearing so much about lately. Yeah, but you don't think he actually sat down with ETs or anything like that? I don't believe that. Even with the follow-up letter from Mr. Light, Gerald Light. I mean, like, the thing with letters, though, is it's... It's easy just to write that yourself and be like, look at this document. You know, like, I don't know. Um, Or it could be more misinformation. Yeah. That that community has been hit hardcore by misinformation. Yeah. Um, People releasing certain things for different reasons. Mostly, I think, to cover up secret military information. Yeah. Same with Area 51. Sometimes the whole thing with Roswell, you know, some of the stories you hear out of that. Was it a weather balloon? Probably not. Was it a, something otherworldly? Maybe. Was it made, like some theories say, by the Russians to embarrass us, as we had embarrassed them supposedly when we had, were signing, I believe it's the Potsdam Agreement at the end of World War II or near the end of World War II, hmm. and they were supposed to be our allies that helped us win World War II along with Britain, and we were, had just tested a nu- our first nuclear weapon. Yeah. And we didn't say anything to him. And then we, you know, he found out about it officially, Stalin did, when we dropped it on Japan. One of the stories was that the Nazi scientists Russia had gotten gotten a hold of, a couple of them, went there and made, they were involved with German flying disc, disc technology yeah. and stealth technology. And so Stalin decided to embarrass Truman by infiltrating U.S. airspace with something that may or may not have been a UFO with and the story with the aliens that were found, they were surgically changed humans just to throw, throw the Americans off or to, to concern them and to realize that they weren't, their airspace wasn't as safe as they thought it was. No, yeah, I've heard that because that's what Annie... Annie Jacobson. Jacobson yeah. she, she wrote a little part about that in her book, Area 51, which is an interesting take. would make sense why we would cover that up. It would also make sense why, as a further cover-up, we would use this all these years later as words that came from somebody, a source that was within the military yeah, yeah. At, and knew all the details about this. You know, all these years later, he's going to let this little information out. And what's his agenda? Is he telling the truth or is he covering the truth by still being a company man and covering up if there was an alien craft? And that's, that's why I think this is such a, UFOs are such a tough field because could really go either way. Yeah, well, the proof could be right in front of us, but we won't believe it either way because of all the stories that have been told to cover up secret military operations also because that's a fact. They, yeah. Some of these stories were you know, either made up or used to cover up secret military you know, aircraft. That's a fact that's mixed in with there. And so it's hard to tell what was used by the government to cover up their secret stuff and what is actually just a UFO. It's a tricky, uh, it's a little conundrum, I think. It's a very frustrating one. What needs to happen is a, a UFO needs to drop out of the sky, land, walk out, 
with news cameras every single degree you could possibly be facing, all just surrounding this thing. It needs to come out and be like, hey, what's up? I'm the alien. Isn't that like another, like a different project the government has? Oh, Bluebeam? Yeah, it is. Which, so I guess we're fucked either way, right? It's, it's, is this real or is this more misinformation? Yeah, what needs to happen is we need to physically feel the alien. We need to be like, Mr. Alien, look, all due respect, we want to believe you, but I'm going to really need to, to feel around on your body with my bare hands and maybe even cut you up a little bit to see what's going on inside, make sure you're not a robot, just for pure curiosity, your life in my hands because I'm a curious bastard. So there you have it. Ball's in your court now, aliens. That's what has to happen. You got to send one person to let us cut India and make sure you're not the government. But then when only one or two people could do that, and so you'd have to add more to prove it to all the citizens. Um, so see, we're that's doomed. Okay, which is, no. explains why we don't make contact with yeah. them like people want. Uh, why yeah. would they come here to be cut open and experimented on? I mean, you just at some point you, there's got to be trust. And that's hard. That's hard for humanity as a whole to really grasp. It is. I th- I, and especially when there's an agenda. Yeah. I've heard too many weird theories, you know. Yeah. It's, there's, there are plenty of people in the government keeping things secret related to UFOs. But are they really UFOs? Or are they our technology, the Russians, now the Chinese? Demons from the underworld? I doubt it's that technology. I mean... Giants. It pulls it all back. If giants were demons from the other under, they they weren't, but their makers were, the ones that formed them, were. Well, not well, technically, they're fallen angels, okay. But demons from the underworld has a much, much better ring to it. I'm not sure you could use technically their following following fallen angels. I can, but technically, it means that it's a proven fact, right? And I'm calling it that i'm like oops they're not actually this they're that because it's not proven i can't say technically exactly but i just did and there's no way to prove it i know there's no way to prove anything man we're just two people at a table with a microphone there's no way to prove that we're even here where we say we are we could be living on on the streets under a bridge what if we were ais we might be and that's the episode (laughs) 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 there it is It, it was solved majestic 12 over you know what's hilarious Hmm. Remember how I said at the beginning, I was like, I'll read through it. It'll take me like 10 minutes. I checked the time and it was like 42. <laughs> I was like, oh, good God. So I really, I mean, I know there's a lot of editing in there, but wow. <laughs> that would explain why my, my throat is almost sore. It's just like, water, please. 42 minutes. Any Like you or your daughter would be able to read that in like two minutes flat. No doubt. I swear. Sometimes when I read out loud, I can't read. Because you want to be able to enunciate and make it un, like easily digestible for whoever's listening but sometimes i'm reading faster than i'm speaking so i like get tongue-tied and so there is some um actually y'all i'll mention it the one of the main majestic 12 theories i heard was that they were off-worlders the members were yeah and that like the majestic 12 wasn't just scientists and people in government or military or whatever but people like a breakaway civilization and that was i think that was from the um what's that one guy david something david i no, no, no. He's super weird. Um, Goggins? Is it Goggins? Uh, the guy from Ancient Aliens? The dude with the blonde hair and kind of really into what he's talking about. Not David Wilcock, is it? It is, actually. Good job, yeah. Why did I say Goggins? It's been a week. TGIF. So he and, uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, Above Majestic. 
you still need to watch that documentary. Just put it on. Even if you don't believe a word of it, like I said, I, I think a solid more than 50% of it is complete and other utter bullshit, but bullshit. <laughs> I can't talk. It's complete and utter bullshit. But there's actually chunks of it where I was like, oh, wow, that actually seems a little believable. I'm telling you, man, there's a lot of crazy good, like off the wall documentaries on Amazon Prime and on like Hulu and all these places. I like watching the weird ones because I can usually pick it out. Be like, this is the worst. Like nothing's believable. Everything sucks. But then there's some that actually kind of pick your brain a bit. And you're like, huh. I just have trouble believing that we have otherworldly people. Yeah. Or breakaway societies. It is. A, it's a lot to digest. <laughs> well, and also when you look at our technology, how could we do it? We couldn't. We're just getting to the point now where we might be able to do some of that stuff. And they were talking about this happening in the 50s. I mean, we it wouldn't be our technology if if that was what was getting us there. The, the breakaway civilization would have happened right after World War II. Which is even, that's <laughs> like a German story, isn't it, yeah. too? Also. Yeah, that's, oh. I think that's the one where um, Germans won mm. World War II and, like, infiltrated America and took over America. I, I don't no, know. No, I've heard the Germans were trying to find a place like that. Yeah. Which I think is why they were going around Antarctica. They had connections to all these mythical stories. Yeah. And they thought that might be a way to get to another part of the world, either below the surface or off world. Yeah. And that was their whole point to go in there. And then later we went there for just to make sure I just can't see that technology being around that long ago. Yeah. So is it a, a safe assessment for me to say that I have 100% officially convinced you that humanity broke away in the 1940s and is out in space now? No. Okay. Yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no way I could, I could <laughs> see that happening. No way? Like, at all? Okay, if alien technology existed and they're like, hey, we want to take some of your people on a trip, yeah. that's the only way. Yeah, well, they, they have done that. They have taken people on a trip. And it's never, for the most part, in my understanding, been a pleasant ride. Um, but also, like, we got people that are, like, science is talking about, we're breaking into different dimensions. And we're communicating with, we're trying to communicate with beings in other dimensions. So, I mean, if that's possible, you know, that's just as outlandish as, hey, 12 uh, people got up and left the planet. I think it's easier to believe in different dimensions yeah. than people going off planet. Is it? Because I watched a video on just what the fourth dimension would look like. And my mind almost blew up. Like the guy tried to explain it. He was like, this is what three dimension is like. And he's like, this is what it's like if we we're two dimensions or what it looks like for a three dimensional person to go in two dimensions, what they would see. And he did that with the fourth dimension. And I just about pissed myself because I'm like, I just want to grasp. I don't understand. Like, Well, and I think that's why we can't see into those dimensions is we can't we can't interpret it. We can't see it. Maybe our dogs can see some of it. Yeah, I think or some of most the bird, animals, birds and, and a sense bugs. Yeah, so it's it's just hard for me to see anybody going off planet for any reason. I've heard it. I've heard remote viewers say they've seen people off planet, and that's just been going on a long time. But I just it's not within my grasp to imagine. Yeah. What you try to the, think about someone up there in a ship in space, just looking at the Earth. Like, not one of our astronauts? I mean, it could happen. There could be life on other planets, and they could be advanced, but we should see something at some point. 
and we yeah. should see better better video than what we've seen. Okay. Um, that's still frustrating <laughs> to me. You know why it's frustrating? It I think it's it's probably frustrating for the same way that trying to take a picture of the moon on your iPhone is frustrating. Because these cameras have such wide angle lenses attached to them that you could be looking at something like, holy shit, that's big. I can see that. And then when you go to take a picture of it, instantly it's the size of a, just a sesame seed. And so you have to zoom in a hundred times to get to it. Like there's good videos, but they're just from far away. So zooming in is, oh, well, I guess, you know, so they probably see plenty of detail. But the second you try to whip out a phone camera, that's a conspiracy in its own. Phone cameras have to have wide angle, wide angle lenses so that they can't get pictures of UFOs or the moon. Or they can take pictures of everything around you so that they could put together the new reality. We're just beta testers? No, they were, were like data miners. By us taking all these pictures around, Classic. they yeah. are going to be able to create a world where they can see everything and eventually put us in a capsule and harvest our energy playing VR the whole time. Great. Another conspiracy theory I just made up. But that one kind of makes sense, knowing that they they would use those pictures yeah. for all kinds of information. I mean, what if all these, like, you, we start talking about dimensional, like, what if that's what everything is? What if aliens are just dimensional beings? And it's not that they're from uh, outer space, per se, as they're just different dimensions. There's a lot of people that are starting to believe that, yeah. and that that's more likely well, dimensions have jumped into like every pretty much aspect of anything that's outside the norm. Like you, there's people that think Bigfoot is a dimensional being or people that have like the think like Dogman, pretty much everything that we talk about that's weird and freaky deaky could just be a dimensional being popping in, seeing what the humans are up to. Maybe it's a vacation for them. They come over to our dimension and just like, <laughs> or maybe nerds. we're finally seeing their dimension. Maybe science is messing us up real bad, man, with all these experiments. What if because they're trying to tap in Things are just not the way they're supposed to be. So we get glimpses and weird, you know. But if I, you, I feel like that's... If so, you look at stories throughout history, it would seem that they've always been there. Those, so, so, those stories yeah. on some level. There's always been those, those mythical beings. Yeah. Whether they be giants or hobbits. There's always been these stories of people seeing things like fairies and leprechauns and... You know what's weird? Part of me really Thunderbirds. Wants, I really want to believe in fairies. Oh, is that weird? Is that anti-masculine to say that? I really, I think it's a super cool idea. It would be a cool idea, but it's also maybe something that we have, through the years, been changed to be okay with, too. Yeah. Like, from the early days of Tinkerbell on Disney to where we are now, where it's such a big part of our culture, and we've seen it in Harry Potter and yeah. other kind of mythical things to where we do want to see that stuff. We want to see, I think, deep down some of the things that our ancestors used to see, yeah. whether they were real or not. There was a different kind of communing with nature and seeing things in nature that you don't see anymore. There are some, I'd say, surprisingly interesting stories of like encounters with fairies and encounters with like little people or um, like goblins and like weird shit like that. Like from people that when you hear their story, they're like, look, I know how this is going to sound. <laughs> And you're like, okay, let's get to the meat of it, you know. But when they actually tell it, they, they do sound convincing. And so it is interesting hearing those stories because you can look back and be like, that's kind of tied to folklore of like the old days. So who's to say that everything isn't in fact real? Maybe it's super sparse in different areas. 
But who's to say that there aren't fairies floating around a forest somewhere? Or or, or there maybe there aren't now, but maybe there used to be. Yeah. Well, or, it's funny because um, there's stories from Alaska natives about little people. Yeah. You know, so those stories are all over the world. So, so there's got to be something there, even if it's just a, a defect in our human minds that make us believe stuff. That's yeah. would be really boring, but interesting at the same time. Yeah, I mean, at least you'd have an answer. Like that, that is something that I, I might write that down because that would be a fun one. Because there's, like I said, there's enough stories of people that, and it's not ever just like one sighting. It's like these things literally harass me or they're, like I've seen them in my house at night, like moving things around, or I was in the forest and they were baking me cookies in a tree. Uh, that's that's more elves, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah, so that, that that'd be something fun. To, I just I don't know. What if it's all dimensional? What if we, depending on just the way we are that day, our mood, our chakras, our energy, whatever you want to call it, what if we just tap into things differently based on how we're feeling or whatever? And sometimes you can see something strange and it's really not in this dimension with us, but it's somewhere else. I mean, that's some of the belief for uh, hallucinogenics, Yeah, that people see different realms. Yeah, DMT especially. Yeah, we're doing a DMT episode too at some point. Are we? Just because we've, I mean, we've both heard Rogan talk about it a million times, and I still have no idea what it is. So I'm like, huh, might as well. Sounds interesting. Question is, are you going to partake before the episode and record the episode while on no no that's, <laughs> no but be able to talk from experience i would love to you know i would i would honestly love to do hallucinogenics or something like that because as like a creative person in general i hearing people tell stories of how vibrant the colors are or how like something is so like a hundred percent there like you physically right. see it standing there in front of you i'm like it's hard for me to imagine that and that's really strange because I've seen a lot of shit in my life, but I think just the experience of doing like mushrooms or, or acid or DMT or something like that would be life changing. Right. But I also know myself and personally, I don't think I have the mental fortitude to really take on a situation like that. I have the, you know, uh, intrusive kind of attitude where the second I popped it, I would might like I would tell myself to start thinking of the weirdest shit. Be like, think about this. Oh, do you remember that one time when this happened? And I'd force myself into a bad trip. That I'm, could happen. I'm pretty messed up with myself, man. <laughs> right? Like, I, yeah. I mean, I, like I know DMT is really short. Yeah, like six minutes. Really. So that part, at least, if you're suffering, you're not suffering for long. Yeah, but in the middle of it, six minutes could be a lifetime. It, you know, could. it could be a really long thing where you're like, am I going to be in this forever? That could. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I, I would love to, to give it a shot at some point just for the visuals that you would see. But I don't think I'll ever end up doing it. Cause, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a scary thing because I think your mindset has to be in a good spot Yeah. for it not to be a scary or potentially dangerous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In my mind. Or anything like that. I mean, even when you go do the ayahuasca ceremonies, they have people taking care of you because of how you're going to be. <laughs> yeah, those always seemed interesting, too. Like, damn, that would be kind of cool. It was going to be, it seems like it'd be cool until I hear about all the puking and diarrhea that goes with it. And I'm like, well, that it's a not, cleansing ritual. Right? Yeah, that so does not sound fun. You're cleansing out the evil. Not the way you want to, but you're doing it. Maybe. Also, that cleansing out could be why you see the visions that you see when you're on ayahuasca. 
because mm. your your body's not in a healthy place and it's <laughs> hallucinating instead of the plant yeah. having some spiritual effect. Your body is just suffering and your yeah. mind is suffering and you see whatever you see. But they also say different things bring about different types of visions like yeah. um, ayahuasca or mushrooms or more of a earthy kind of mellow thing, connected right? to earth type of thing. Yeah. Acid is could be really traumatizing because it's synthetic. Yeah. So it's not an actual... What um, could possibly it's go not wrong? A, yeah, it's yeah. not a part of nature, Yeah, the, the way it's made. Um, and from what I understand, it's made completely different now than it was in the 60s. Oh, yeah. That somehow the government eradicated the actual Plus. stuff that was being produced. Yeah, what a bunch of nerds. Yeah, and wow. so that different chemists made up something similar, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. I could be wrong on that, but that would, they were hardcore after acid for a long time. So maybe they, maybe they knew the truth. Maybe they stomped out that community and got, put everybody that knew how to put it, make it into prison or convinced them that it wasn't worth making it because they didn't want to go to prison. Yeah. I would, uh, I would believe that. What if that's the, the method that the government used to contact different dimensions and aliens and they were like oh shit they got a hold of it we gotta get that back it wouldn't surprise me when you hear about like project stargate and the stuff they used Mm -hmm. there to get in touch with things it's interesting yeah that it is so if you had to land on like do you believe majestic 12 is a thing or like maybe not to the extent that some of the theories take it or do you like the stuff that I brought up was kind of, it's factual. It's based on things like not so much the 80s story with the guy that got the film. Like that's up in the air, even the documents themselves. Like there's no definitive way to prove that. But the fact that the FBI was so on it and so adamant about writing bogus in giant letters across could be one of two things. Either the guy that read it was like, are you fucking kidding me right now with this shit? And was in an, a, having a bad day and just wrote bogus on all eight pages because he was pissed off, didn't want to deal with it. Or they could be trying to, you know. I can see what I can see. There could have been a group called that. Sounds like a, I don't know, like the rivals to the the Globetrotters or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it does. It it does sound like a basketball team you'd hear. Yeah. Um, I think by seeing that list of names, I could see there being a group with those names in it. Yeah. If they're just government people. There's an, a different agenda in there. Might not have as much to do with UFOs or off-world people. Yeah, yeah. More military, you know, and you can take the military part of that either way. Were they finding off-world um, materials and reverse engineering them? There's plenty of stories and even CIA documents that tell us that that could be the case. And those same people on that list would be involved with that, too. Yeah. Or so, could I mean, it be just them making sure the Russians aren't trying to attack us? True. Yeah. Which would, again, include probably those same people because of their different positions within government or sciences or, the, you know, the military. So, I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff that makes sense about it, right? About it being a real thing, about, you know, the, the, everything kind of falling into place, the, everything is connected, it all ties together in one way or another. So it's almost definitive that it is something, right? Right. Whether or not it's what it's speculated it is, is one thing. But, I mean, it's pretty, uh, it's hard to ignore a lot of the, the stories or even just. Well, when you see somebody like Van Ever Bush, I mean, he's so well connected to that time period, 30s on. And James Forrestal, the same. They were so connected to so many different things and so powerful in government. It leaves a lot of things open 
and any kind of interesting study they would also want to be involved with at that time in the U.S. They would be a part of overseeing whatever it was for whatever reason, and they would use it for whatever they, for whatever benefit they could use it, even if it was just information or disinformation, they would find a benefit for it. Kind of how smart those people were and how powerful they were. Yeah. For good or bad, we could argue that differently. Yeah. But those people yeah. were like the uh, Dick Cheney's and Donald Rumsfeld's of their time. That's, you know, whether they were good or bad, they were very they smart the and yeah. powerful people with the right connections that knew how to get things done. That's what that those type of people were back then. The same as the yeah. Dick Cheney's and Donald Rumsfeld's. Do you, do you believe in any of the um, late 80s stuff? That part actually comes off as a hoax yeah. in a lot of ways. The fact that it was slipped through the mail slot. And it's... Well, just some of the, the studies they did into it with the different fonts. Oh, yeah. And there was, there was one guy that came after him pretty hard saying, like, some of those names didn't even, like, they got the titles of what they did wrong yeah. or something like that. Like. So there was a lot of speculation that that entire story was just made up for, for what, notoriety or misinformation? Or? Misinformation. And that's, again, where that name Richard Doty came in because he was a part of some of that disinformation. I guess the postmark from the, that film came from Albuquerque, New Mexico, yeah. which is where Richard D- Doty lived. Classic. Classic yeah. Doty. Yeah. He, he did it again. Yeah. And, you know, I remember hearing his name for years and then hearing his name basically spoken with venom when people realized when he admitted he was part of a disinformation campaign against ufo researchers yeah, it's crazy how much that can mess up like how quickly that shit spreads too it's it's hard to i mean you see it with facebook just right now but yeah yeah it's hard uh to keep that in check even more so now in the, the social media. Right. I mean, that's like, a, it, it's interesting to, to look at it because it's so sinister to a group of people that were really passionate. I mean, whether there's UFOs or not, the people studying them for all these years and they stand are very it. passionate. And to be, I guess, to lose your credibility by just associating with somebody like Doty, who basically is a spy, is what you look at it later, or an infiltrator. Pretty much. And he led these people on a bunch of paths and made some of them look really bad to where nobody would ever believe what they have to say. You know, and I can sit here and be a skeptic about it all day, but that's pretty shady. And that does point to something being hidden. And that's where you have to figure out, is it government secrets being hidden about our military? Or is our government, does our government know a lot more about UFOs than they have ever let on? Yeah, but see that like that's, that whole kind of storyline is prevalent throughout history. The whole like misinformation where even if someone has something to say, if someone gets in there and makes them look bad enough, no one believes their story. Like, so can't that be the same thing that happens with UFO sightings, with Bigfoot sightings, with dogman sightings, with little people sightings, like all these things. Can't people just people of power be like, oh, well, I'm just going to make this person look as bad as I can, embarrass the shit out of them. So that no one believes what they say anyway. Like, And there's plenty of proof in our history, especially the last hundred years, that we've done that. If somebody in, say, for archaeology, if somebody comes up with stories that there were people in the North America before the Clovis people, you know, for many years they were ridiculed and lost jobs, yeah. um, lost teaching positions. And then years later, all of a sudden... There's nothing but proof that there were people in the 
in North America before the Clovis people, a long time. So all these people that lost their teaching positions, lost tenure, lost status within their archaeological community were proven right, but they weren't conforming to what was the belief then. And that's kind of the problem in any field. If the structure that's there tries to support itself and it won't let new ideas in. It's a recurring theme, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's a big problem with even business. Yeah. Cable news watcher, you know, you, you don't let in new ideas because you have to like secure the foundation of the old ideas yeah. at all costs. I suppose it makes sense, but that just makes everything that much more confusing because now you never know what to believe, who to trust. I mean, it's understandable why some people go crazy when they start looking into that type of stuff, you know? Well, and some of it is it's not like a simple process. When you're following some of these alternative paths, yeah. you're going to have to put up with the stress of following them it, if that's what you believe. But also you're not going to be, you're not going to find enlightenment about whatever you're you're studying or chasing yeah. right away, not by watching a video on YouTube or reading a book or jumping into some conspiracy theory. It's, it, yeah. it's a process where you have to do the study, almost become an expert in it. But while becoming an expert, not close your mind off to the problems with, you know, not, not put yourself in an echo chamber where you're just hearing stuff you want to be believe. Just completely unbiased on it. Be like, okay, if this is the truth, like if this makes sense, this makes sense. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like that's, uh, it's, it's hard though. Because um, like I said, like we've seen with a lot of these, they're rabbit holes. It starts with one thing and then it unravels into everything in the world is connected to this one problem. We need to stop it right now, you know? Well, one of the things with conspiracies, me being skeptical, is because a lot of things I've tried to take that path and learn about different conspiracies, and you get a little ways down, and you're like, this is a bunch of crap. And so you kind of lose your belief in a lot of them. But there's always a couple out there that may or may not be, and that will keep you from being completely skeptical, but you've been burned enough to where you're going to look a little harder for some fact um, because of maybe other things you've believed in or thought were true. Yeah. And then you get down a little ways and you realize somebody just made this crap up. Yeah, that's always the worst. You're like, my time, it has been wasted. And that is why disinformation works so well. Yeah, because it, unfortunately, it, that's very sinister, man. Yeah, it makes you a cynic and not believe anything. So to me, it's you just got to work harder and you got to be open to being wrong when you have a certain belief. Yeah, I'll kind of wrap it up. Like I wrote a bit of a conclusion, just outlining the theories behind it and all that stuff. It's only a few paragraphs, so we should be done in 25 minutes, (laughs) according to how long it took me to read the first half of this damn thing. While researching this episode, I've stumbled across several different takes on the Majestic 12 theories. According to some conspiracy theorists, the government created the entire thing as a hoax in order to keep the public's attention away from the real threat, aliens in the government. The New World Order isn't headed by the elite of humanity per se, it's being planned by aliens who already have humanity's elite under their control. So that's one out there theory for you that just so happens to be the truth. No, I don't know about that. But there are also those that believe the Majestic 12 documents were part of a disinformation campaign by the government to keep top secret Air Force projects under wraps. That's probably more what you're leaning towards, correct? I think that that is true. The most likely. No matter what really happened, there was disinformation within about this group. But I tend to believe that they existed as a group. Maybe not as a You think it's a mix of both? It's definitely a thing, but it's also definitely misinformation. 
it makes a lot of sense that people within our government would have been looking into things like that right yeah. then. And there's a lot of proof that different parts of the government were. There are also a small fraction of people that believe the Majestic 12 was formed as a breakaway civilization, and those members went off-world following World War II. I couldn't find any bona fide evidence for many of the claims, so I decided upon following the information I could find regarding the topic itself, which is why the majority of this was based just around Eisenhower and a little bit of Truman, and most of the crazy, wild-out-there theories were left on the internet where they belong. It's interesting that there's always a lost tribe, or in this case, an off-world civilization. It's like and 12 is a common number. 12, I, th I believe it's a spiritual number in some, some beliefs. It's also, isn't that what a quorum is? A group of 12? I thought a quorum was a fist fight between friends, but... That's a quarrel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got into a little quorum here, yeah. Okay. Um, I could be wrong on the number. Yeah. But I think it's... No, it, sound, it sounds right. I've seen common themes with, like, numerology and stuff like that throughout all these weird stories. So I just don't believe there's... a a breakaway civilization that sounds just crazy to me and makes no sense i believe there was a group of people like i said that created disinformation to obscure what this mj12 group was doing and i had something for your first part of your what, what did you talk about in your first paragraph that is the actual thing is that the aliens are controlling the New World Order. And so they have plants, like they're sending hybrid alien-human people back down to Earth, planting them in government and in these places. And that, that leans more towards probably like lizard people type theories. Reptilians. Yeah. But I've heard, look, some of those weird documentaries I watched on Amazon Prime were about hybridization. And how people that have been abducted say, no, they're like taking our DNA, they're taking... They're, crossbreeding aliens and humans which throwback to the giants yet again crossbreeding was a thing so it's not an it's an old trope that keeps popping up in our human history is that we believe somebody manipulated us make us the chosen ones no not even chosen ones like so much that they just want to infiltrate like this is how we're going to take over the world is we're going to slowly hybrid co or crossbreed with humanity until we're just like them like there's claims out there that there's a ton of alien human hybrids walking the earth right now there that look just like you or i and you still haven't watched the movie they live have you you got to watch that movie because you, you need to watch that for our next podcast so you can talk about it because it's it basically talks about a hidden group of controllers and it's a it's a it's a really crazy dumb type of movie, but it's entertaining and it's thought provoking. And the acting's not great, but there is a story there that is true, kind of about the consumerism of ourselves. It's it's an interest. You just got to check it out. But I also have trouble with us always worried about a group of people that controls us. We or a group of powerful people that manipulate us. While that's somewhat true, I always feel like when we have stories about being controlled by these forces that are too powerful for us, that we make ourselves out to have to be victims. And I think it's not very empowering when we have these boogeymans out there sometimes. Classic. Yeah. And I think we've always had them. They've always been in stories. But like the New World Organization is just too convenient for our maybe sheeple way of thinking that's kind of natural within our yeah. thought process and in most of us is 
we are followers. We are social animals. And to be a social animal, you have to be somewhat of a follower. Yeah. So it makes me think that that's just a part of us staying the sheep and us choosing to stay the sheep because it's easier instead of, you know, maybe it's just a bunch of evil humans. Yeah. That are like grinding the brains of other humans, making it sound like ice. Yeah, no, if anyone's wondering why I put all the sound effects of feet walking, trash cans opening, water turning on, and ice hitting a titanium bottle, um, it's just a personal choice that I went. It's a personal choice, yeah. Couldn't put ice in a titanium bottle if we didn't reverse engineer alien technology. That's right, yeah. So, but I've decided to just make the sound effects on that two-minute clip while you're talking. So please carry on. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, the bottom line is, I don't like that way of thinking. I don't believe there's enough evidence to say we're being controlled by aliens or that we should be afraid of aliens, Um, even though... And plus, in all the science fiction movies, we win. So why should we be afraid of aliens? We'll beat them. If we have to get Will Smith involved, we will. That's because the aliens aren't directing these movies, you know? If it was the other way around. But powerful people are directing and producing these movies to get us prepared for an alien war that we will obviously win because we always win. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me, man. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) We'll, We'll find out hopefully soon enough. So do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with uh, the listeners on any uh, anything that we discussed? Anything? I will say we can argue about Majestic 12 all day long, but there have been groups within the government that have looked into unidentified flying objects or submerged objects or different dimensions. And it's the people that will work a little harder and try to find those official channels and break into, not break in, but get themselves into a place where they're trusted enough to get information or they're tenacious enough to dig up the information. Yeah that we can find what's really happened instead of just taking somebody else's word for it. You got to put the effort into it. You can't just read somebody's Facebook post and believe. And you have to challenge yourself with things you disagree with when you're looking into things like this. There are government officials that have looked into a lot of crazy things and the information's out there. You just got to look it up. You got to look it up. You got to document your sources as best you can. You got to protect yourself so that Nobody can just come in and feed you dip, disinformation and make you look like an idiot. Because someone's out there wanting to. There how, always how, will be. How long do you think it's going to take before we are labeled disinformation by the general public? There's always someone, right? Someone will come in and be like, you guys listen to that show? It's disinformation. Well, between a believer and a skeptic, one of us have to, has to be right. I so mean, it's not really disinformation if think, one of us if, is right. What if they think I'm disinformation? Like I'm, the, People probably think that I don't dive nearly as deep as I should on these episodes, and they are absolutely correct. Because, look, it would be like a six-hour episode if I touched on everything. You well, know? It, it, to me, if people want us to dig deeper, let us know what, we want, what they want us to dig deeper into. Let yeah. us know which subjects they want us to cover. Exactly. And we will, we, are, we will follow what our listeners give us if they 
if they put us on to something or ask for more information or yeah. a different viewpoint. Or fix something, be like, hey, actually, that was incorrect. What you should have said was this, and it leads to this. Like, feel free to do the research for us, is what we're saying, essentially, <laughs> you know? We'll research, but just if you have a direction yeah. that you think everybody would benefit from hearing, we'll look at it. And if we throw something out there that's it's information neat you know that's part of the <laughs> that's part of the research you know we we will you prove us you prove to us that we just use some kind of disinformation from a government or an other kind of source we'll look into that too that'll be part of the fun e- easy peasy yes tell yeah. us what you want want to hear us talk about yeah. and, and per, if you have a take that is novel or interesting let us know and we can look at it that way. If you have information that might support or defend one of our positions, let give us that information. We'll do the best we can with it. Yeah. That's going to be the fun of this is to have people involved. We're all in wanting, this together. Right. If they yeah. want us to go down a direction, whether it's a skeptical view or a, or a supporting view, we can do both. And yeah. when we can argue with each other about what we think and then everybody else can make their own opinions and then we'll provide some resources here and there for them to follow up on their own yeah so power to the people yeah you you go ahead and you send all of that to the freaky deaky pod at gmail.com or if you're not feeling like using emails feel free to shoot a dm to at freaky deaky pod on instagram where you can also find pictures and fun little snippets from each of these episodes before or after they post regardless whatever works so there are ways to get in touch yeah i think that pretty much wraps up the majestic 12 so i don't know do you do you want to get get us out of this episode do you have anything any final one final sentence pick one final sentence to lead people onto their their weekend look up the history of the the members that people think belong to the Majestic 12. That in itself will send you down a rabbit hole into all kinds of different things dealing with American power. You heard it here first. Why can't I say that? Is that That's such a hard sentence for me to say. You heard it here first. It's those. It's the molar issues. Yeah, again. you just need to like practice it. You heard it here first. Yeah. You heard it here first. Do it yeah. in different voices <laughs> and then pick out the right one. You heard it here most likely last because this information has been out there forever. But you're welcome either way. Go or sorry. Up, yeah, both. <laughs> yeah. Go go look up the people that were supposedly in the Majestic Twelve. That's what you heard here first. Right. Okay. The end. <laughs>
onto something. 